Hey there, podcast listeners. We have a special treat for you today. Uh, about four times a year, we have what we call a kid-friendly sermon. Uh, it happens during school holidays. And basically, I pitch the sermon such that the kids really get the first half and uh, I, I make some extra comments to the adults at the end. It's an unusual kind of sermon, but it's one that seems to work for our congregation and I hope it's of benefit to you too. Anyway, here's the sermon. God in heaven, enliven us, enliven to us this morning, we pray, this old, old story. Bring it alive to us and make us alive to it and to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, well, to begin, I'd like to introduce you to two people, and you need to use your imagination, to two people, uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about these two men, these two grown-ups, and then I'd like you, please, uh, to have a little bit of a think about them. Now, the first one, the first one, let's put him over here, uh, here's the first friend, friend number one, Joe. Joe's, is there a Joe here? I, could, could, I guess we could get a Joe to... No, we won't get anyone to come on up, don't worry. Uh, Joe, here I am. Now, uh, Joe is... Um, actually, he's a really... He's an impressive kind of guy. I think you'd like Joe, quite like him, actually. Uh, he's one of uh, a few of the, the bosses, the leaders, down at the local synagogue, the Jewish church down the road, uh, and he's one of the leaders, the bosses. Not only that, but Joe's... Well, Joe's quite rich, actually. He's got a lot of money. He can do a lot of things. And often the way it works with rich people with a lot of money is that the whole world is very interested in what Joe has to say. He's never short of any friends. Everyone wants to know what Joe says. If, if he lived today, he's the kind of guy, every, they'd want him on telly. They'd get him on telly all the time. Get Joe. Find out what Joe thinks about it. He's that kind of guy. Okay? Have you got in there in your mind's eye, Joe? But Joe's got a problem. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Now, come with me. Then there's another bloke over here, uh, and his name is Nick. Now, there is a Nick here. I won't get you to come on up and, and take the place. Don't worry. There is. Anyway, so Nick, Nick's quite a lot, quite, quite a light, quite, I can't even say this phrase. He is quite a lot like Joe. There we go. I can say it. He's quite a lot, uh, quite a little, little, little. he's impressive. There we go. Uh, untangle. Uh, he's one of uh, also the few bosses down the road at the synagogue, quite an impressive kind of a man. Uh, he's one of the leaders, but not only that, um, he's not so much rich like Joe, no, he might be, but he's one of the teachers. Oh, he's one of the teachers. When he's on teaching at the synagogue, oh, you want to be there then. He's smart, he's interesting, he's sharp, he's impressive. You just want to go to synagogue, to church, when he's teaching. But the other thing about Nick is, Nick is like super duper good. He's the guy that your parents say to you, oh, I hope you're like Nick when you, when you grow up. Oh, I hope you're like him. Oh, I don't think Nick would do it. He's super good. Like, you do not know a person who is as good as Nick, right? Do you know what I mean? But Nick has a problem. And it's the same problem that Joe's got, actually. Do you want to know their problem? Here it is. It's Jesus. What? Jesus? How can Jesus be anyone's problem? Jesus isn't the problem, Jesus is the solution. How can Jesus be Joe's problem and Nick's problem? It doesn't make sense. Jesus is the one who fixes our problems, isn't he? Doesn't he make things easier and right and save us and all of that kind of a thing? Well, here's the thing. Joe and Nick, as I've said, they, they kind of roll with the same people. They have the same friends. 
And let me tell you one important thing about these friends of Joe and Nick. They hate Jesus. Hate him. I don't just mean, oh, they're not very interested. Do you have friends who they're just not very interested in Jesus. No, Jesus is fine, he's fine for you, but I'm just not very... Or do you have friends who maybe, they just don't know about Jesus. Oh, I just, I just never really grew up with I never really learned about him. I don't know much about Jesus. No, 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 that's not Joe and Nick's friends. They cannot stand Jesus. Don't want a bar of him. And so when Joe, when Joe started believing in Jesus... Well, maybe I'll just keep it quiet. Yeah, because maybe I'll just keep a lid on it. I just won't tell anyone. I'll just, I'll just keep it quiet. That's all right. It'll be my little secret. Because if anyone knew, if anyone found out that I believe in Jesus, oh my goodness, they'd probably never talk to me again. In fact, in fact uh, they, they wouldn't even let me in the synagogue. What they'd do is they'd station people at the doors and they'd say, Oi, there's Joe, don't let him in. My business would probably fall apart. I'd start losing money. No one would buy from me anymore. So he kept it quiet. He kept a lid on it. Now, for Nick, let's think about him. For Nick, dear old Nick over here, super good Nick, wonderfully impressive. I hope you like him when when you grow up. Well, Nick was the same. Oh, if you believe in Jesus, (laughs) you can forget about teaching in the synagogue. Uh, you can forget about people looking up to you. Oh, they'll still talk about you, don't worry about that. But it won't be for all the good reasons. No, so Joe and Nick, they had a problem. I'll oh, keep a lid on it. I just won't tell anyone. And I wonder, uh, kids, but grown-ups as well, perhaps especially grown-ups, have you ever tried to, to keep it a secret from someone that you're a Christian? Just to not let on just to not let anyone know or find out. Maybe so that they'd like you for a little bit longer or they'd like you a little bit more or that they'd find you more interesting or they'd want to hang out with you or they'd give you that invitation or that, do you see what I mean? Some people are just, they can be plain cruel like that and frankly for no good reason. But it happens, doesn't it? Some Christians, they just don't get to be friends with the cool ones or the popular ones, or the pretty ones. Not because they've done anything wrong, just because they're Christians, people don't like it. Some Christians, they just don't get invited to stuff because they're not wanted, because they only hear about the fun stuff, they only hear about the adventures, they only hear about the parties and the good times afterwards, when everyone's talking about how great it was. That's how it is for some Christians and that's harsh. But here's the thing about Good Friday, when Joe and when Nick heard about how Jesus gave it all for them, they decided that is it, no more secrets, no more hiding, it was time to give it all for Jesus. He gave it all for me, Jesus did, so I'll give it all for him. Now, let's meet Joe and Nick. Here they are. Have you got your Bibles there? Or at least uh, following along on the screen, it'll come up for us. Joe's name is Joseph of Arimathea. Nick's name is Nicodemus. Uh, We've met him a few times. Let's call them Joe and Nick, though, as we go through. Please read along with me. Verse 38, let's start there. Verse 38. Later, Joe, let's just call him Joe, from Arimathea, Joe asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. 
Now, Joe was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. Well, it's not very secret anymore, is it? But now that you've gone and asked Pilate, when Joseph went and asked Pilate, Pilate's like the biggest guy in all the land, and Joseph has fronted up to him and said, actually, can I have the body of Jesus, please? (laughs) Well, it's not a secret anymore. Everyone knows you follow him now, Joseph. Your secret's out. Now, so Joe, uh, reading on, was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away, took Jesus' body away. He, Joe, was accompanied by Nicodemus, Nick, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Now, let's just try and remember back to then. Why did you visit Jesus at night? Why only under the cover of darkness? Why when it was dark? Why when nobody could see? Why when nobody would recognise you? That's why, isn't it, Nicodemus? That's why in the night. But now you see, now, well, Jesus gave it all for me. And so, as we read on, Nick brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes in that last sentence there. About 75 pounds myrrh and aloes, these smelly things to... to, They're kind of like spices, okay? Now, when you think of spices, help me out here, where do you find spices in your house? Anyone sing this one out for me? Where do you find them? In the cupboard or the kitchen in my house. We've got some in the drawer. And I'll tell you how they're packaged. In these teensy tiny little bottles, teensy tiny little packets, teensy tiny smelly little jars and containers and things like that. Tiny little things. You could slip them in your pocket. You could put them in your back pocket. You could tuck them in your shirt and no one would even notice except for the smell. Oh, they'd notice the smell. 75 pounds, that's like 30 kilos. It's probably about as much as your dad could carry if he was really trying, all right? Forget about the tiny little spice rack or drawer at your place. Heaps of the stuff. After all Jesus has done for me, come on, servants, come on, carry the loads of stuff. I don't care if people see it anymore. We're going to give Jesus a proper burial. So verse 40, taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it, with the spices in strips of linen, this was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And then, well, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb. That's a funny word, what's a tomb? What's a tomb? Yep. A place to bury someone. Uh, yes, uh, it's so it's kind of like a grave. When I think of, there are different kinds of tombs, but um, when I think of a grave, I think of a hole downwards. But when I think of a tomb, usually I'm thinking about a, a hole inwards, like a cave kind of a thing. But basically, you're absolutely right. A place to bury someone. That's a, that's a really good one. So where are we? So there was this new tomb, this new cave in which no one had been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid... Jesus there. And there he is. And we're ready for, good, for, for Easter Sunday from here. But kids, here's the thing for Good Friday. After all Jesus has done for us, let's give it all for Jesus. Do you see? After all Jesus has done for us, let's be people who give it all for him. And sure, that might mean some people think that we're total dorks, 
very silly, uninteresting, not the kind of people they want to hang out with. Some of them will think that. But Good Friday says, look, Jesus died for us. He died for me. He died for you. Why? Because he loves us. Because we need forgiveness. Because he wants to give us a forever life with him and with God. He gave it all for us. Let's give it all for him. Now, one last little thing, last little thing before I speak to the grown-ups. You know what I reckon about Joe and Nick? I reckon beforehand, I reckon when they saw Jesus finally died and they think about how they'd been beforehand, secretive and hiding and not telling anyone, I reckon when they saw Jesus died for them, I reckon they were ashamed. I reckon they were ashamed at having kept quiet. Ashamed because they hadn't had the guts to live for Jesus before he died. And they didn't realise, of course, did they? They didn't even know that he was going to rise again. So at this point, they thought they'd blown it, stuffed it. The chance was gone. I'd, been, I'd never been a follower of Jesus, even though I'd wanted to be, and now he'll never find out and he'll never know and I've blown it and it's gone. And I'll never be able to say sorry. Now, this is important. Because if you've ever tried to cover up that you're a Christian and keep quiet about Jesus so that no one would ever know, maybe you've pretended not to be a Christian because you're afraid of what people might think of you. You need to know this, even Joe and Nick could be forgiven. Even you can be forgiven. Jesus, it doesn't tell us in this passage, does it? But Jesus forgave these men. And he can forgive you too, whatever your secrets are and whatever the things that you're trying to hide are, your shames are, the things that you're ashamed about, whatever we try to keep a lid on or hush up about, Jesus can forgive us for that too. Nothing is so big that Jesus can't forgive it. And that is good news this Good Friday. He gave it all for us, Jesus did. So let's give it all for him. Can I lead us in prayer? It might help if we put our hands together. Close our eyes, I, I sure find that helps. Let's, uh, let's put our hands together and let's pray. God in heaven, thank you that Jesus died, that he gave it all for us. He died for our sin, he died to bring us forgiveness, he died to cover over and to deal with everything that we've ever done and ever will do, everything. Father God, thank you that he did it because he loves us, and Father, we are sorry for the times in life when, when other people have seemed more important to us than our Jesus, when we've cared more about their attention, their invitations, their admirations. God, forgive us, please, and change us so that Jesus would always be the biggest deal in our lives, the one who gave it all for us. In Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Well done, kiddos. I reckon if you're in, uh, I don't want to just speak to the grown up. If you're in high school or up, you can totally, you can stick with me. It's only a few more minutes, right? You, you stick with me. I understand if, uh, if some sort of drop away uh, now. Here's, um, so just, I, I really want to extend this very simply. Actually, I might go up here now. Here's my question. What does Good Friday highlight in our spiritual lives? What does Good Friday highlight in our spiritual lives, just extending what we've already seen. Where does this message of the Jesus who gave it all for us shine the spotlight
um, on my life this Easter? What does it bring home for me? Now, I found this, um, I just want to share a sentence with you that I found very helpful um, and I'd like to share it with you. It's, it's on this topic of faint-heartedness. You know, Joseph, Nicodemus, there's this faint-heartedness within them that uh, the cross really turned around. I'd like to read it to you. Almost as if his previous faint-heartedness was shamed by the crisis of the cross, Joseph asked Pilate, for the body of Jesus. Just look at the first half of that sentence. Almost as if his previous faint-heartedness was shamed by the crisis of the cross, Joseph asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. All right, we, I think we get how that works in Joseph's life, don't we? Um, like the cross, the, the cross it seemed, it, it, it jolted him like an electric shock, didn't it? It was like a massive kick in the pants to Joseph. Uh, almost as if he'd had an electric shock. Come on, man, take a look at your life. Would you, Joseph? Take a look at what you've become. What kind of a believer are you? But I, wanna, I guess I want to take that same spotlight and shine it on us. How about us in our spiritual lives? Because dare I say it, faint-heartedness or half-heartedness, a bit of a lack of devotion within our lives, disinterest in the things of God, I think we do tend towards just kind of bumbling along in life, don't we, when it comes to Jesus? We tend, to, tend towards muddling through life. We don't give Jesus a whole lot of thought, if we're honest, not, not like church is a massive thing or Bible or prayer or, uh, you know, big decisions in life come up. And am I consulting the Bible and wrestling with it and talking to my elders and consulting wise Christians? Oh, no, I think life gently just sidelines Jesus for many of us, doesn't it? Until no one would ever even know that he died for us on Good Friday. Now, if you can relate to that um, at all, may I just make three quick comments to us um, as, we, as we draw to a close. The first one is a caution. First one is beware in, in how we respond, actually, to this shining light. Uh, please, I'm saying, please don't misinterpret Joseph's dedication from now on as repayment. It wasn't repayment that Joseph was trying to do. Uh, and don't mistake it um, uh, for that. I think this is the knee-jerk that we tend to go through, go to when we feel that, oh, our spiritual lives aren't what they should be. Oh, Jesus has given it all for us. And so we, we knee-jerk into this repayment kind of mentality. Maybe we've drifted and so I'll feverishly try to make it up. I'll dig deeper, or try harder, I'll pour in more time or effort or perhaps money or whatever it is into the things of church. As if we can pay Jesus back and level the scales and make up for being crummy disciples. Friends, I just want to say, I don't think that's Joseph's caper at all. And I think he would have seen that as almost insulting, actually. Think about it. Joe didn't stick his neck out with Pilate to make up for faint-heartedness, to pay Jesus back. How do you pay back a guy who died for you? No amount of shame or kicking out of the synagogue makes up for that, pays that back. No, no, it's simpler than that. I should have done it before, I didn't, I repent and so I'm going to do it now. It's repentance, isn't it? It's not repayment. 
There's a caution there in how we deal with the cross in our lives. Secondly, there's an encouragement though, I reckon, in these, uh, in these verses, in Joseph and Nicodemus's experience. There's a real encouragement. Super quickly, so Joseph and Nicodemus, what were they actually scared of? Like, I, I kind of hammed it up a little bit, but uh, what, what do you think they were scared of? They feared for their standing, their reputation, they feared perhaps for their livelihood, it would have really had a massive impact, they would have been shunned perhaps, I think that's the sorts of things that they feared. But I just want to encourage us that sometimes it's not that bad. Sometimes the fear that we generate within ourselves about how we're going to come across if people know that we're Christians or we behave as Christians or we stick our neck out, so so to speak, to go to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus, sometimes I think our fear is way bigger than the reality. This passage doesn't spell out for us, doesn't enumerate all of the things that they suffered as consequence for sticking their neck out for Jesus. Now, Now, that doesn't mean that things didn't happen. It doesn't mean that they weren't kicked out of the synagogue. But did you notice the little encouragement that was there for them? Take another look at verse 38. Verse 38, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus, skip over the next sentence, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. With Pilate's permission. Friends, I don't know that he could have expected that outcome reasonably. See, crucifixion victims normally, what you'd normally expect, standard procedure for crucifixion victims, was toss them in a common grave. Actually, no, that's being generous. Standard procedure for crucifixion victims was leave them for the vultures. But if, if they were taken down, toss them in a common grave. And yet, in the providence of God towards Joseph and Nicodemus, these men who have turned toward faithfulness in Jesus, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. I guess I just want to encourage you, O timid believer, O faint-hearted one, it may not be that bad to stick up for Jesus. God may send you massive encouragements Uh, providential uh, uh, encouragements in your life, even among your very friends and colleagues, publicly standing for Jesus, it isn't always as bad as we make out. Perhaps you'll be pleasantly surprised. So there's a caution, don't act like you're able to repay Jesus, there's an encouragement, Uh, God sends providentially encouragements along the way as we stick up for Jesus sometimes. But thirdly and lastly, I want to close with a comfort. I want to close with a comfort. So, as I said, uh, Joseph's faint-heartedness, his half-heartedness, his, was shamed by the crisis of the cross. He was shamed into action, wasn't he? He was shamed into dedication and he just couldn't go on living the lie. But here is the thing about this passage that absolutely staggers me and I think it should blow us away. He did it brothers and sisters, without the comfort of the resurrection. Isn't that remarkable? Without the comforts of the resurrection. He had no idea where it was. He thought as he buried Jesus in the tomb, that was it. That was it. They had no idea what was coming. They had no clue that Easter Sunday, what Easter Sunday would bring. And brother, sister, from the vantage point of 
Good Friday, that first Good Friday, Easter Sunday was impossible, it was ridiculous and yet these these men did this incredible act of devotion anyway. But brothers and sisters, we know to call Good Friday good and that's the comfort I want to remind you of to close. We know the comfort when the cost of Jesus seems so very high, when your heart feels faint at the thought of facing them with being a Christian or resisting that sin or enduring another season of all of that, whatever that is in your life, let this be our comfort. They and it and that are not forever. Forever is Easter Sunday. Forever is our comfort. And forever is our hope. We know it, we have it, it is ours in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Should we feel the weight of Good Friday? Absolutely, of course we should. But it must always be matched with the lightness of Easter Sunday and our hope in Christ that rose with Him. How about we pray together? Great Father God in heaven, we ask you please this morning, would you have mercy on us? Have mercy on us this Easter to show us, to show us both the depths to which Christ plunged for us on the cross and the heights to which he's raised us up with the assurance of life that comes with the resurrection. Father, for those among us for whom it's time to recommit, for whom it's time to take a leaf from Joseph's book, Nicodemus's book, we pray, enable us please to stick with that for the long haul. For those of us who are fearful and in need of some encouragements, please send us those. Father, spare us please from sentimentalising Easter, from allowing it to drown in sappy nonsense. May we keenly remember that Christ gave it all for us that he might have us and have our all. So awake our hearts, please, to that, with many comforts and encouragements to come. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.